1: A whole lot of news outlets have filed friend-of-the-court briefs, amicus briefs, in support of CNN and Jim Acosta, including Fox News. And I'm getting a lot of emails about this. I don't make decisions for Fox News. I don't make decisions for corporate Fox News. I am not Fox News as a lawyer, and they don't consult with me. I have a radio show. I have Levin TV. I am an author. And I have a one hour program on Sunday on Fox. So, Fox, CNN, and the rest are free to do whatever they want to do. I do my one hour show. I think all these news organizations are really quite outrageous in their filings. They have a good chance of winning. Not because they're right on the law, not because they're right on the Constitution, but it takes a strong federal district court judge and then a strong circuit court panel and then strong Supreme Court justices to stand up against the mob. CNN and Jimmy Costa are not protecting the freedom of the press. They're protecting themselves. This is not some great First Amendment case. If you read the Theodore Boutros, Theodore Olson brief, it almost reads like a first-year law student wrote it with a bunch of Crayola crowns, in my view. It's boilerplate. At no point do any of these news organizations, any of them, any of them, insist on any level of professionalism from any of the reporters in those presidential press conferences. I don't mean roll over and play dead. I don't mean be lapdogs like we saw the media during the Obama administration. You can be tough. You can ask aggressive questions. But you can't throw a tantrum. You can't take over the press conference. And the president, not some damn judge or group of judges, gets to decide. A president gets to decide. And if the president had thrown Acosta out of the White House, and you know what? He never did. He took his hard pass away so he can seek a daily press pass on a daily basis. But if the president had removed people in that room who opposed him, he would have removed every reporter in that room virtually. But he didn't. He didn't remove the NBC reporter. He didn't remove the PBS reporter. He didn't remove the, I don't even know where she's from, April Ryan reporter. He didn't remove the other CNN reporters. So if this is content-based, they have a hell of a tough time proving it. We, the American people, saw what's going on. We have a very, very low opinion of the news media. And we also have a very low opinion of the judiciary. Now, will they combine once again to uproot the Constitution, to do damage to the First Amendment and freedom of the press? It is Mr. Acosta and his emotional tantrums in the press conferences who denies the press and denies the president and his surrogate, the press secretary, the ability to communicate with the American people. I want CNN to know... I want the lawyers for Fox to know and USA Today and the AP to know you're not there for yourselves. You're there for us. And if you're going to defend Jim Acosta, that's a problem. A big problem. Because we can't get the news. We can't hear what the president has to say. And there's a lot of reporters that may have good questions. So... The media in this case is circling the wagons around individual personalities while clothing themselves in the First Amendment. Because so much of the media today, the news media, on the cable channels, on the network channels and so forth, has become a matter of personalities going Hollywood. But that's not what the news is supposed to be. I don't care who the hell files a An amicus brief supporting CNN and Jim Acosta. And the media reporting on itself. Pseudo event created by Acosta. Pseudo event created by the lawsuit. Pseudo event created by these other news organizations filing their amicus briefs. And we're supposed to be impressed. Impressed with what? I'm not impressed in the least. The disgrace. And these damn courts better keep in mind separation of powers. And these damn courts better keep in mind that people may start bringing lawsuits against them for not having televised hearings in the Supreme Court. Why aren't there televised hearings in the Supreme Court? I mean, the vast majority of the American people have no idea what's going on in the Supreme Court during oral arguments. Why shouldn't they be televised? Why shouldn't they be on cable, network TV? Why shouldn't they be on satellite TV? Why shouldn't they be on handheld devices? Why shouldn't the American people know what the hell's going on during oral argument in the Supreme Court? What about that, Chief Justice? Freedom of the press. Well, the decorum, exactly, the decorum. Well, we're not elected. More of the reason to have television in the Supreme Court. Now, I don't believe that. I'm just following the logical argument. How come no legal organization, excuse me, how come no legal office for any of these media organizations hasn't filed suit? President of the United States has the right to manage the press conference. I'm not talking about manage the content, but manage the decorum, the civility, he's not required to stand there and one egomaniac, one narcissist, one media personality take over the room. And if all the other news organizations, AP, USA Today, Fox, whatever they are, think that's appropriate, then I have news for them. They don't represent the American people because it's inappropriate. It's inappropriate. They would not tolerate such behavior in their own offices, on their own, in their own studios. They wouldn't tolerate it for a minute. Nobody would. The courts wouldn't tolerate it in their courtrooms. Teachers wouldn't tolerate it in their rooms. You don't have to agree with the president, but there has to be some level of self-discipline. And maybe these media organizations can tell us When is a reporter out of control if not Jim Acosta? When is a reporter hijacking a press conference? You see, ladies and gentlemen, this is more of the same. The media no longer simply report the news, they create the news. They create the news. That's not protected by the First Amendment. That's not intended by the First Amendment. wow they're defending the First Amendment really you know what's amazing these media organizations are the last to defend the First Amendment they don't defend religious liberty they do not the freedom of association they don't defend that free speech well if you're conservative they certainly don't defend that but freedom of the press they don't even support freedom of the press. They support their freedom to do what they want to do. That's not freedom of the press. If you cannot conduct yourself like a civil, mature adult in a presidential news conference and still ask tough questions that the president may not like, then you don't deserve to be there. And if CNN doesn't have the responsibility to withdraw somebody like that, then the President of the United States finally, after all this time, has every right to. And all these other media organizations that have thrown in, all these other news organizations that have thrown in, they sully themselves. I'll be right back. Much Lovin'. How about that? You know, Mr. Producer. Maybe if I get fired for exercising my First Amendment rights, I'll bring a federal lawsuit. No, not really. Doesn't apply. Private parties, of course. Now, uh, fake Tapper, also at CNN, he was very confused the other day. He was grilling Cory Gardner, the Rhino Senator from the great state of Colorado, on the issue of. Fraud in Florida. you have any evidence you have any evidence whatsoever Senator any evidence whatsoever where's the evidence? Well, this law's being broken, and this deadline's being broken and this yeah but where's the evidence of fraud? Hey dummy, fake when you violate federal excuse me state law and state regulations, that is evidence of fraud, but he wanted more, so the intrepid Jake Tapper, aka fake tapper, sits on his butt at the CNN headquarters in Washington, D.C., demanding that Republicans bring him evidence of fraud. Okay, fake, I'm going to give you some information. It's actually from Politico. You know, you read that after you read the Holocaust-denying New York Times. And it's in Politico, and I'm sure you're going to cover it very, very heavily this evening. I don't know if you did. Your show's over, actually. Listen to this one, fake. Matt Dixon, Tallahassee, Politico. The Florida Department of State last week. Last week. Asked federal prosecutors to investigate dates that were changed on official state election documents, the first voting irregularities he just flagged in the wake of the 2018 elections. Now, why wasn't this story broken on CNN? Because CNN's not investigating and CNN could care less. That's why. The concerns which the department says can be tied to the Florida Democratic Party. C- Excuse me. Hello? Hello? center around date changes on forms used to fix vote-by-mail ballots sent with incorrect or missing information, known as cure affidavit. You know what? In the old days when I used to vote, there are no cure affidavits, provisional voting, early voting. You got off your ass and you voted on election day, unless you literally couldn't, and then you could file an early ballot, but you had to file a signed affidavit under penalty of perjury. Now you can vote by mail, you can vote on the Internet, You can vote if you're a non-citizen. You can vote if you don't know how to buckle your seatbelt. You can vote if you don't know how to, uh, well, you understand. Known as cure affidavits, those documents used to fix mail ballots were due uh, no later than 5 p.m. on November 5, the day before the election. But affidavits released on Tuesday uh, by the Department of State in Florida show that documents from four different counties said the ballots could be returned by 5 p.m. on Thursday, which is not accurate. Audio of a Florida Democratic Party caller leaving a voicemail message asking a Palm Beach County voter to fix their vote by mail ballot after Election Day, which is not allowed, was also sent to Politico separately. It was not part of the information turned over to federal prosecutors. It will be now. Among the counties in question is Broward which emerged at the epicenter of controversy as three statewide races and three local legislative races went into recounts following the November 6 election. Let, let's be honest. Look what happened in California. Five Republicans wiped out after Election Day. Excuse me, four Republicans wiped out. Look what happened in Arizona. A senator wiped out after Election Day. Other states, too. Other states too. Let's continue. The Department of State of Florida, officials there, have repeatedly told the media that the monitors they sent to Broward County, so no election fraud. It wasn't it until Tuesday that the office revealed publicly that it had turned over information to federal prosecutors? The information was sent on November 9 by Bradley McVeigh, Department of State Interim General Counsel, who asked that the altered dates be investigated. See, it's a crime to change ballots like this. Count every vote. Count every vote. Even the fraudulent ones. Even the non-citizen ones. Even the, the ones from dead people. The records released by the Department of State, which is part of Governor Rick Scott's administration. See, Politico can't help it. The Department of State is part of Rick Scott's administration, but Rick Scott actually has absolutely nothing to do with this process. So why don't they put that in the Politico piece? Well, you know why. They point the finger at the Florida Democratic Party. Political parties can get daily lists of people who had their mail-in ballots rejected. Political parties or anyone else can also get the publicly available cure affidavits and send them to voters who had mail-in ballot rejected to encourage them to fix the ballots. In an email chain released as part of the Department of State's Tuesday document dump, Citrus County Super... Wouldn't you love to live in Citrus County? Oh, it's Citrus County. Citrus County Supervisor of Election Susan Gill last week told the Department of State officials that a voter who received one of the CURE affidavits with the wrong date had also received a call from a number identified as the Tallahassee office of the Florida Democratic Party, an indication the party was reaching out about her vote by mail ballot. When I called it, it is the Democrat Party of Florida, she said in a November 8 email to the Department of State. She went on to write that she thinks the incorrect date was used because whoever sent the cure affidavit mixed up the deadline for cure affidavits with the deadline for provisional ballots. That change to an official election form was what state officials turned over to federal prosecutors. Another email included in the Department of State, document dump, (laughs) included correspondence from Okaloosa County Supervisor of Elections, Paul Lux, who also said he believed the affidavits from the Florida Democratic Party. So it looks like we have potential systemic fraud, a potential federal investigation and I'm sure Fake Tapper will be so concerned about this that he'll cover it thoroughly. Won't you, Fake? Maybe Jim Acosta. Should he be able to ask a question at the White House? Maybe he'll say to the President, Mr. President, uh, you've been saying that there's uh, fraud in Florida. There is evidence of fraud in Florida. What is your opinion? No, no, no. He won't ask that question. Because the president's name is Trump, not Obama. I'll be right back. 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's L E V I N dot ncom or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN.
0: Mark Levin, America's mentor of conservatism. Call now at 877-381-3811. At the Department of Justice...
1: There's an office called the Office of Legal Legal Counsel. We've talked about this office before. It was headed by the likes of William Rehnquist, who became an Associate Justice and then Chief Justice of the U.S. Supreme Court, Antonin Scalia, Associate Justice of the Supreme Court. Very, very important office. It's where the brightest minds on the Constitution sit, think, and write. And uh, the White House Counsel asked that office to give an opinion on the appointment, the temporary appointment, of Acting Attorney General Matthew Whitaker. And the office laid out, in its opinion, the constitutional and statutory basis for his appointment. And every significant point they raised, I raised here behind this microphone with you. All these commentators, on cable TV in particular, lawyers with various types of legal backgrounds, were wrong. And yet they're still on TV commenting about the law. They've been wrong about whether you can indict a sitting president, according to the Department of Justice's own memoranda. They've been wrong about subpoenas. They've been wrong about so much, and yet they still stay there. Giving us the news, you know. It's not a question of whether a judge rules left or a judge rules right. It's a question of reading the law. Now, if a judge rules otherwise, so be it. they are judges and they are judges. they are real judges and then there are political judges. So that's not my point. My point is when you look at the Constitution, when you look at the federal statute, the Vacancies Act, when you look at traditionally what takes place, it's perfectly legal and constitutional and it's not a big deal. You see, ladies and gentlemen, there is no constitutional crisis after all. So what do they do? Now they're smearing the guy. They're smearing the guy. I want to read a little bit to you from the uh, Trump administration's response to CNN and all the other news organizations that have thrown in with Jim Acosta in a moment. Simply Safe is a fantastic security system, it's great protection for your home and family. And right now, Simply Safe is giving my listeners a great deal on home security. Order now and you'll get 25% off any Simply Safe system. I love Simply Safe because they treat people right. They want more people to be safe in their homes. So the pricing is fair and honest. Around the clock professional monitoring is just $14.99 a month. Simply Safe has no contracts ever. No hidden fees ever. They really care about the people who buy their systems, and that's so very rare today. I'm not the only one who likes them either. CNET, PC Magazine, and Wirecutter all say Simply Safe is the best security system there is. Protect your home today with Simply Safe and get a great deal on home security. Go to simplysafemark.com and save 25% off your Simply Safe system. Man, I don't believe they've done that before. Make sure to use my website so they know I sent you. That's very important. That's Simply Safe Mark. Dot com And Harry, this deal ends November 26th, and you don't want to miss out. That's simplysafemark.com, simplysafemark.com. You know when most burglaries and robberies occur, right? Around the holidays. So you need to act quickly and get the special deal. Simplysafemark.com. All right, let's take a look. We went through the, the Olsen-Boutros Boutros, Boutros, and golly, was at a very bad brief, in my view? But who knows with the judge? But here's the response. I haven't read it to myself yet. I just saw it, so I'm going to read it to you as I go through it. Here's their background, their recitation of facts. Let's see if it's better than the, the Boutros-Olson recitation, which was really quite misleading. Many reporters cover the White House for a range of local, national, and international news uh, outlets. A subset of those reporters have access to facilities within the White House complex, access that requires certain credentials. After completing a Secret Service background check, a reporter may then be approved by the White House for a so-called hard pass, which allows access to the White House complex and briefing room. So you just learned more. You just learned more from that than you did at any other time. On November 7, 2018, President Trump held a press conference to discuss the 2018 midterm elections. One of the attendees was Jim Acosta, chief White House correspondent for CNN, who held a hard pass at that time. At that press conference, as reported in a statement by Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders, quote, after Mr. Acosta asked the president two questions, each of which the president answered, he physically refused to surrender a White House microphone to an intern, so that other reporters might ask their questions, unquote. So true. Mr. Acosta, quote, held onto the microphone, unquote, after a White House staffer had put her hands on the microphone and attempted to reclaim it. Later that day, Press Secretary Sanders announced that Mr. Acosta's hard pass had been suspended until further notice. She stated, quote, Mr. Acosta's conduct is absolutely unacceptable. It is also completely disrespectful to the reporter's colleagues not to allow them an opportunity to ask a question. Following that action, Mr. Acosta's application for a day pass on November 8, 2018, was rejected. He was not permitted access to the president's events during a trip to Paris the following day. Also November 8, CNN sent the White House a letter on Mr. Acosta's behalf responding to his suspension on conduct grounds. In that letter, CNN asserted that, quote, the nature and tone of Mr. Acosta's questions was appropriate and newsworthy. Wait a minute. So his tone was newsworthy? Following that letter, the press secretary further explained the decision in a written statement released on November 13. They quoted, we don't need to. Plaintiff's Mr. Acosta and CNN filed a complaint, a motion for preliminary injunction and a motion for a temporary restraining order on November 13, 2018. This court has scheduled oral argument on plaintiff's motion for a temporary restraining order for the afternoon of November 14. Now, you have so-called legal experts who are not, many of whom have never actually practiced federal constitutional law, who are saying this is a slam dunk, CNN will win. What they're trying to do, ladies and gentlemen, is influence the outcome. That's what they're trying to do. So here's part of the argument by the administration. The standard for issuance of the extraordinary and drastic remedy of a temporary restraining order or a preliminary injunction is very high. They're citing a, a court decisions. An interim injunction is never awarded as of right, and they go on. And a TRO is very difficult to get. I mean, there really has to be matters related to public safety and so forth. Plaintiffs are not likely to succeed on their First Amendment claim. The president has broad discretion in granting White House access to journalists. The First Amendment does not restrict the president's ability to determine the terms on which he does or does not engage with particular journalists. As the D.C. Circuit recognized in Sherrill v. Knight, citing the same case that Ted and Ted cited, the principal case on which plaintiffs rely, the president may, of course, grant interviews or briefings with selected journalists— and deny that opportunity to others, any other result would certainly be unreasonable. The president may choose the journalists he calls on, this is uh, their brief now, at a press conference or which journalists he invites to an interview in the Oval Office or a press conference, just a large-form interview in the East Room. That discretion extends to his White House staff. The president is free to instruct White House officials to respond positively to particular journalists' requests for information, interviews, or or questions. And he's equally free to instruct White House officials to do the opposite, by declining similar requests from a different journalist. If the rule were otherwise, courts frequently would be called... These are arguments we made here last night. Courts would frequently be called on to police the daily give and take between public officials and reporters... An arena that is defined by discretion and where, uh, uh, let's see, and where public officials routinely grant or deny interviews to specific reporters based on their judgment about how the reporter's viewpoints will color the interview. This is a fact, which I pointed out last night. That concern led the Fourth Circuit to uphold the governor of Maryland's decision to prohibit everyone, quote, in the executive department or agencies, unquote, from speaking with two reporters from the Baltimore Sun. In reaching. Now, here's my question to you. If you're going to have people who call themselves legal experts on this subject on TV, why haven't they cited this information? In reaching that conclusion, the court explained that providing relatively less information to one reporter was permissible, even when done on account of that journalist's reporting. Such decisions regarding the level of access a journalist receives to public officials are a pervasive feature of journalism and of journalists' interactions with government. More broadly, there is no First Amendment right of access to the White House. Another point I underscored last evening. As the Supreme Court recognized decades ago, even though any restriction on a citizen's access to the White House diminishes the citizen's opportunities to gather information he might find relevant to his opinion of the way the country is being run, excuse me, that does not make entry into the White House a First Amendment right. That's a Supreme Court decision from 1965. The president is generally free to open the White House doors to political allies in the hopes of furthering a particular agenda. And he is equally free to invite in only political uh, foes in the hopes of convincing them of his position. The First Amendment simply does not regulate these decisions. And the First Amendment does not impose stricter requirements when journalists, as a subset of the public, are granted or denied access to the White House. The Supreme Court reinforced that. The press does not receive special treatment for First Amendment purposes in Citizens United versus Federal Election Commission of 2010. The court said we have consistently rejected the proposition... That the institutional press has any constitutional privilege beyond that of other speakers. A rule that limits the White House's discretion to grant or deny journalists hard passes would thus risk requiring the White House to grant full access to any member of the public who would like to ask the president or his staff questions. You see, this is a grown-up brief. It's not a slapdash sloppy brief like Boutros and Olsen filed. Now, it may not matter, depending on who the judges are and where their heads are at. But it matters to you and me because we own this country, not them. Plaintiffs' argument to the contrary rests primarily on the Sheryl case, the only D.C. Circuit case they cite regarding press access to the White House. Plaintiffs rely on Sheryl for the broad proposition that press access should not be denied arbitrarily or for less than compelling reasons. But Sherrill is not so broad. In that case, the sole question was whether the Secret Service had permissibly denied a hard pass to a journalist who the parties agreed was otherwise eligible to receive it for concerns over presidential security. The denial resulted solely from the determination of the Secret Service after investigating Mr. Sherrill that he not be issued the pass. The court noted, quote, that all parties to this case recognize the right of a journalist to a White House press pass, assuming that the journalist satisfies some basic objective criteria and is not a source of potential danger to the president or his family. The particular question the court had to answer was thus, what standards govern the Secret Service's denial of a hard pass based on security reasons? In this case, by contrast, it is not conceded That Mr. Acosta is an otherwise eligible journalist. The president has his designees in the White House press office. They've exercised their discretion not to engage with him and by extension to no longer grant him on demand access to the White House complex so that he can attempt to interact with the president or White House officials. Unlike the situation in Cheryl, where only the Secret Service was objecting to the issuance of a pass to the reporter, the White House press office has so objected, and thus does not recognize the right of a journalist to a White House press pass in all cases, absent a demonstrated security threat. Put differently, stick with me, put differently, defendants do not concede and in fact reject the premise that the White House press facilities are perceived as being open to all bona fide Washington-based journalists. Such a conclusion is untenable in light of the numerous discretionary determinations the White House press office must make in allocating hard passes to a subset of bona fide Washington-based journalists. For example, the degree to which the requester's beat requires reporting on the White House, whether a requester is a journalist with a sufficiently broad audience, whether hard passes are fairly distributed between comparable organizations, etc. Therefore, the premise on which the D.C. Circuit's opinion in Cheryl Depends doesn't exist here. And notice they've been waving it around on cable TV. Look, we got the Sherrill decision. And what did I tell you? That is a D.C. Circuit decision of limited use. And that's all they've got right now. More when I return. Mark Lubin. Ladies and gentlemen, this brief gets better that the uh, administration filed. I mean, there's no question this is a far stronger brief than what was filed by uh, Ted and Ted on CNN and Jim Acosta and all the the gaggle of news agencies that feel the need to circle the wagon around Acosta. But I'm going to get more facts out because you're not getting it on network, satellite, or cable TV. If you ask my any AMAC member, what they like most about belonging to the conservative alternative to the AARP. One answer that always comes up is how much they love reading AMAC's quarterly magazine, the AMAC Advantage. It's a first-class publication covering a variety of hard-hitting stories from notable authors, and AMAC members love it. Well, my friends, AMAC membership keeps getting better. They have these tremendous discounts. They have these tremendous benefits. Travel, hotels, insurance, insurance. That alone would be good. They also are your conservative voice in Washington, battling the AARP. That alone would be good. But there's more. AMAC is pleased to announce that instead of publishing just four issues each year of their magnificent magazine, AMAC Advantage, to all million and a half AMAC members, they're going to publish it six times a year. Six times. Six issues of AMAC's celebrated magazine delivered to your home every year, and it's all part of the outstanding AMAC membership. You don't have one yet? Why don't you check them out? If you haven't joined AMAC yet, you're missing out. Join today at amac.us. This is a great gift, too, by the way. The benefits are great. The conservative cause is great. They have a great magazine. Get your copy of the latest edition of the AMAC Advantage magazine along with all the other discounts and benefits that come with an AMAC membership by joining right now or gifting it right now. The website is amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot AMAC. Better for you and better for America. Continuing with the uh, Trump administration's brief. First, plaintiff's own description of November seven press conference validates the White House's stated reasons for revoking Mr. Acosta's hard pass. In plaintiff's telling, Mr. Acosta asked a question of the president, but the president did not permit him a follow-up. Rather than acknowledge the president's attempt to move on to a different journalist, however, Mr. Acosta continued to try to hold the floor, such that a White House staffer attempted physically to physically reclaim the microphone. Mr. Acosta had been using Even after the staffer actually had her hands on the microphone, Mr. Acosta continued his refusal to permit another journalist to ask a question, ignoring both the stated wishes of the President of the United States and the efforts of a staffer tasked with helping to manage the event. Listen to this. Second, plaintiffs claim that the decision to revoke Mr. Acosta's hard pass was the revolt of the President's allegedly clear antipathy for CNN and Acosta's reporting. Well, ladies and gentlemen, did you know there are approximately 50 other CNN journalists who retain hard passes to enter the White House complex? 50! 50! I said 50! Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? how much we should be eating, and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the Nutrition Facts panel on the side.
0: Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark
1: Levin. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Mark Levin here. Breaking news, as we like to say on cable TV. News alert, breaking news. But this really is. The slip-and-fall porn lawyer, Michael Avenatti, has been arrested for felony domestic violence. Now, this would be the same man who was on CNN repeatedly as an authority on the law. This would be the same man who was on MSNBC repeatedly as an authority on the law. Now they pretend he doesn't exist. Our free press, practicing yellow journalism, Michael Avenatti, who became famous for reporting, representing Stormy Daniels, writes TMZ, in her battle with President Trump, has been arrested for felony domestic violence, law enforcement sources tell TMZ. By the way, a judge just ordered him and his client to pay $300,000 to the president's lawyers, too. He's having a bad couple of weeks. Our law enforcement sources say Avenatti was arrested Wednesday after a woman filed a felony DV report. We're told her face was swollen and bruised with red marks on both cheeks. Our sources say the alleged incident occurred Tuesday night, but there was another confrontation Wednesday between the two at an exclusive apartment building in the Century City area of L.A. We're told Wednesday afternoon the woman was on the sidewalk on her cell phone with sunglasses covering her eyes, sobbing and screaming on the phone, I can't believe you did this to me. I'm going to get a restraining order against you, quote-unquote. I'm just citing the free press, ladies and gentlemen, TMZ. We're told security brought her inside the building, took her upstairs, and Michael showed up five minutes later and ran into the building. He screamed repeatedly, she hit me first. We're told he angrily added, this is bull S. This is effing Bull S. That sounds like Avenatti. How come this guy still has a law, a law license? I, I just keep wondering this. We're told he tried getting into the elevator, but security denied him access. Cops showed up and escorted Avenatti into a corner of the apartment lobby and spoke with him for five to ten minutes and then took him into custody. A law enforcement source says on Tuesday Avenatti kicked her out of the apartment. And that's when the alleged domestic violence occurred. We're told she went back to the apartment on Wednesday to retrieve her belongings and called police to stand by in case things got heated. We're told Avenatti is currently in custody. Mr. Producer, if is in custody, how will he appear on CNN and MSNBC? How will he appear on Meet the Depressed and deface the nation? Ladies and gentlemen, your free press in action. They created this slob. They created this punk. They created this, this, well, apparently he's accused of domestic violence. Will CNN put out a statement and apologize? MSNBC, meet the depressed, deface the nation, all that magnificent free press. They used this guy to attack the president of the United States. That's exactly what they did. And now they pretend he doesn't even exist. Thank you. Now they pretend he doesn't even exist. Arrested for felony domestic violence, Michael Avenatti. Alleged, of course, he's alleged. Let's get back to what I consider a a truly grown-up brief from the Trump administration compared to the Crayola Crown brief that was written by Ted and Ted representing CNN and Jim Acosta around which the rest of the media have circled the wagons, unfortunately. So we've now learned that there are approximately 50 other CNN journalists who retain hard passes to enter the White House. 50. Plaintiff's complaint, they write, alleges that this antipathy against CNN is longstanding without any plausible explanation as to why there were no allegedly retaliatory actions against Mr. Acosta previously. The more natural explanation for the White House revoking Mr. Acosta's pass on November 7 is that Mr. Acosta's revocation is based on his conduct at the November 7, 2018 press event. Again, that was my emphasis last night. There was a lot of written static thrown into the so-called brief filed by CNN and Jim Acosta. They go on third and relatedly plaintiffs description of the White House's conduct towards other reporters reinforces that plaintiffs have failed to demonstrate that the White House made a content or viewpoint uh, decision with respect to Mr. Acosta. Again, that was a point I raised last night. Plaintiffs papers include no allegations that the White House has revoked the hard pass of any other reporters, including from CNN, whose reporting the president allegedly disagrees with. In fact, Dozens of CNN reporters still retain White House hard passes, as do a number of other journalists who ask him hard-hitting questions. Together, this evidence undermines any claim of content or viewpoint-based retaliation. The better explanation is that the White House responded to conduct that was particularly disruptive to a press conference with a decision denying one specific reporter further opportunities to cause disruptions. Revoking a reporter's hard pass for impeding the White House's ability to conduct fair and orderly press conferences is not arbitrary. Rather, it preserves the White House's ability to balance each individual reporter's desire to ask questions with the need to abide by norms that permit other reporters to ask questions as well. Indeed, the need to avoid disruptions has long been a non-arbitrary basis for government action. The White House's actions, accordingly, do not run afoul of even plaintiffs' articulation of the relevant First Amendment standards. These are excellent points, well written, points we raised last night. And if the White House, that is the administration, gets a fair shake, it should be a slam dunk for them. But again, my first book was called Men in Black, How the Supreme Court is Destroying America. And so... You've got to ask yourselves if he will. But he should. This really is a slam dunk for the president. The courts don't want to get in the business of micromanaging a presidential press conference. CNN is not harmed in any respect. Uh, and Jim Acosta, being a, uh, a a drama reporter, if you will, being the uh, Morton Downey Jr. of the press corps, uh, he doesn't get to interfere with the press conference. He doesn't get to undermine of The other reporters, uh, despite the foolishness of their uh, amicus briefs, this is not a First Amendment issue. This is a perfectly legitimate administrative discretionary decision based on the conduct of this individual as an individual, not as a reporter, as an individual. You don't get to do certain things in a the theater. You don't get to do certain things in a courtroom. You don't get to do certain things in a classroom. You don't get to do certain things in a newsroom. And you don't get to do certain things at the White House in a presidential press conference. And should a court rule otherwise, can you imagine the anarchy? And as they point out earlier in this brief and as I pointed out last night, is the court going to create a cause of action for every reporter? And any reporter who doesn't get a hard pass or doesn't like the way the White House manages press conferences or complains that you didn't get a second question, I sure hope the court understands the consequences, unintended and otherwise, that it will create. Furthermore, I hope the court understands separation of powers. It's none of its damn business. This is not a First Amendment issue. And the court should rule against CNN and Jim Acosta and against all these silly amicus briefs which are really PR plays by some of these news organizations they should be able to do that the court, the judges but in this case a judge relatively quickly I'll be right back love, in. facts about CNN and all the hard passes the company has there and all the rest of it. Why would all these other media companies join in on this and claim this is a First Amendment issue? Including some of our friends. Why would they do that? A friend of mine, Terry Pickett, who's also a reporter, she says the White House can grant Acosta conditional daily access on a paper pass And there he has the same rights as others in the briefing room, many of whom have paper passes, a daily paper pass. But you see, ladies and gentlemen, Acosta doesn't want that because it's a status issue. It's a status issue. You have less regular access. But so what? My question would be this. Why does CNN have 50 so-called journalists with hard passes? Wow, you know what? He's really suppressing freedom of the press, the President of the United States. He really is. We've never seen anything like this. What a dictator. They have 50 hard passes over there at CNN, but they want 51. And they want that one for the biggest jackass in the press corps. That violates the First Amendment. Don't you think so, guys? Yes. USA Today jumps in, AP jumps in, Fox jumps in. Here, yeah, we're news guys, you know. We're standing up for the First Amendment. No, you're not. How preposterous. And that's why I always look at history and put these things in context. That's why I've explained to you several times now. The John Adams administration. The Abraham Lincoln administration. The Woodrow Wilson administration. The Franklin Roosevelt administration. The Obama administration. Trump hasn't done anything that these other presidents did. Wait a minute, he revoked a hard pass from a guy who wouldn't give up the microphone. Well, that's because he has a hate on for CNN. Right, and that's why they have 50 other damn reporters in there with hard passes. But then I heard an expert on cable TV, you know, the usual expert. This is a slam dunk case. This should be decided on Friday. No, it may be. If the judge has his head, you know where. But if it's a serious judge, the judge is going to have serious questions for CNN. Like, how in the world does this violate the First Amendment and freedom of the press? CNN has more reporters there than the vast majority of reporting outlets in the country. I guess the judge gets to decide who who can stay, who can't stay, and... We want due process, due process. This is why I am totally disgusted with what Ted Olson has done here. He wants to create a cause of action for a reporter. Beyond the Constitution, a cause of action, an administrative burden on a president, that if you want to remove a reporter you have to follow these due process rules. They take this case out of the D.C. circuit, they spin it and twist it into a pretzel, and then they insist there needs to be a due process right. What That, that means that reporter has a right to be in that press room. It changes the entire situation. And as I said last night, and these smart lawyers said in their brief, and I'm glad they listen so if a president doesn't call on a reporter... Or if a president doesn't allow a second question from a reporter? What is this due process stuff? Oh, he's discriminated against me because I'm a liberal. He's discriminated against me because I work at the New York Times. He's discriminated against me over my race. He's discriminated against me over my religion. I can hear it all now. I can hear it all now. Because the truth is, the media have become the Democrat Party, and the Democrat Party have become the media. You cannot tell them apart. You cannot tell the news from the Democrat talking points and vice versa. You just cannot. Now, wouldn't this be an incredible irony? If a federal court rules for CNN and Jim Acosta on First Amendment grounds... When, in fact, a judge never holds a press conference. When, in fact, they don't televise federal courtrooms and what takes place in federal courtrooms. Wouldn't that be an irony? So the federal judiciary wants to monitor and manage a presidential press conference, but they don't hold press conferences themselves. Well, that's because we're different. Exactly. Stay out of it. But out of it. This is not an extraordinary circumstance. This is not a freedom of the press issue. It has nothing to do with that. Just because CNN says it does, because they have lousy ratings, just because Jim Acosta says so, they want to pop up their uh, publicity. And it just shows you. How terrible the media are today that they circle the wagons around CNN and Acosta and these stupid arguments. Did the people at USA Today and AP and Fox and these other news outlets, did they know that CNN had 50 individuals with hard press passes? Did they know that? I listened to the network news on my show, which I have no control over. They've never said that. Did any of them actually read the circuit court decision that Boutros and Olson cite, which has to deal with security, has nothing to do with the First Amendment? Did they actually read the case? Do they actually think through the consequences? Should CNN not only be able to destroy itself, should CNN be able to destroy a presidential press conference With this kind of ambulance-chasing litigation? Incredible to me. Absolutely incredible. That is why tonight, on virtually every single news program, on all the cable shows, all the network shows, they haven't thoroughly gone through the White House's response to CNN and Jim Acosta. Instead, the news is all the news groups that have filed front of the court briefs, self-serving, self-serving. Incredible. The truth is, despite what the president says about the press, despite what they say about him, the president's against the press have been almost non-existent compared to past presidents Woodrow Wilson set up a whole intelligence commission within his administration to monitor the media FDR threatened publishers left and right left and right Senate Democrats issued Hundreds and hundreds of subpoenas against telegraph companies wanting communications with publishers and editors. None of that goes on today. You listen to these whiny, thin-skinned, egomaniacal so-called reporters. Not all, but too many. Illustrative of Jim Acosta, but but apparently all the media is thrown in with Jim Acosta. It's the Jim Acosta media. It's not the Edward R. Murrow media. It's the Jim Acosta media. And you know what? I should stop complaining. It's perfect. They're out of the closet. They've exposed themselves. Every damn one of them. I'll be right back. With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code Levin.
0: The Mark Levin Show, where we create the talking points. Call in now, 877 381
1: 3811. Well, ladies and gentlemen, We have our disagreements from time to time. I do with certain Republicans, certain conservatives, certain people in the administration. The president has endorsed so-called criminal justice reform. Now, the vast majority of you haven't read this proposed bill, but it sounds good, and that's always the problem. My buddy Mike Lee has said he's been pushing for this for eight years, and he earnestly believes it's a good bill. Most of the police departments in this country oppose it. The Assistant U.S. Attorneys Association asked for an opportunity to speak with the President because they had serious questions about it. Uh, That didn't happen. Uh, Ultra-libertarian groups like the Koch brothers and their organization have been pushing for this for a long time, as have uh, many of these uh, defense-related organizations and so forth. I do not believe in these broad-brush so-called reform bills. Because ultimately, out of the thousands and thousands of individuals who will see their sentences reduced or eliminated, there will be many individuals who shouldn't be released. And they're released out into our communities where they threaten our police and they threaten your families and your kids. We have a criminal justice system. We have governors. We have governors who can release prisoners. We have pardon boards president can pardon individuals at the federal level. I have no problem with these cases being taken on on an inv- individual basis. But I do have a problem with this broad brush. You have organizations out there that say our justice system is racist, and so we need criminal justice reform. Do you have others who say we have too many criminal laws? So forth? That's not the way you deal with this. You want to deal with too many criminal laws? Deal with it. If you have a specific instance of racism, deal with it. But I do not accept that we have systemic racism in our criminal justice system. And I do not accept that everybody who's going to be released now is going to be a very nice person. Uh, And this is going to be a problem. What this actually does is it rollbacks the Reagan era sentencing guidelines, which significantly reduced crime in this country. So Lindsey Graham is out there. Lindsey Graham supports pretty much anything that has the word reform in it. Immigration, reform, criminal justice, reform. Whenever you see that word, you really need to uh, open your eyes and be a little concerned. So even if I'm the only voice, so be it. And I know I don't make friends at the White House when I say these things, even though I am a friend. So be it. So be it. It's a bad idea. And uh, there's a lot of people who will be released who have committed much more heinous crimes than the crimes that they have pled guilty to or that they've been convicted of. There's a lot of discretion when it comes to prosecution. There's a lot of discretion when it comes to cutting deals. So an individual may have cut a deal for a lighter sentence on a lesser included crime than the crime that they may actually have committed. But you won't see that. It's like the argument about uh, DACA. DACA. And when you point out that we don't know who's here, people haven't been properly vetted, they try and shut down the debate. It's the same mentality on criminal justice reform. Here we have the Washington Examiner. Federal officials have confirmed by the great Paul Bedard, a real reporter, that an illegal immigrant released from jail by a sanctuary city and later charged with a triple murder was a dreamer protected from deportation. Now, you're led to believe that every dreamer is somebody who wants to become a college-educated rocket scientist. Some do. Many don't. Most are law-abiding, except for their initial criminal act or that of their parents. Some are not. And it's the some who are not that causes us a concern. And so you need to be able to figure out who's who. And these broad-brush so-called reforms don't do that. Luis... Rodrigo Perez, a 23-year-old Mexican national, was given two-year Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, DACA, that status in 2012 uh, when he was 17 years old, and in 2014 again. The illegal alien who murdered three people after he was released from a New Jersey county jail was a DACA recipient in 2012 and 2014 is confirmed by ICE tweeted the Center for Immigration Study, which advocates for reforms focused on legal immigration. Now, this will receive a one-day hit by some media. Most of the media will ignore it. And here we have immigration reform. Immigration reform. Three people murdered. DACA. Oh, we're all for DACA, aren't we? Sure. Pathway to... Yeah, of course. DACA. Criminal justice, oh, absolutely. Yes, we have too many laws. Deal with it. But most of the people being released, they'll give you one example. I've heard one or two examples out of Utah. How about all the other examples? So all these people are in federal prison who shouldn't be in federal prison. Is that it? Unbelievable, if you ask me. Ah, uh, but here we are. Around the country, millions of Americans are turning up the furnace for the first time and then spending a week freezing at night. Why? Because they neglected to change out their air filters and their system failed. And I can tell you on the East Coast, it is really cold now. Now, this costly mistake is completely avoidable by regularly replacing the air filters at Filterby.com, America's leading provider of HVAC filters for homes and small businesses. Choose from over 600 sizes including custom options that ship free within 24 hours. And for those of you who like to kick the can down the road, Filter By will give you 5% off your order when you subscribe for auto replacement, and you'll never forget to change your filters ever again. Take the filthy filters out, put the fresh brand new ones in. This is so much easier than going to the hardware store or having to special order, order filters. Plus, they work great, and they're made in America. Filter By will save you time and money. And help you breathe better. That's filterbuy.com, filterby.com. Tell them Mark sent you. I just don't understand the argument that we should enforce our immigration laws and not allow illegal aliens in here, and then we're going to let criminals out of prison. I don't get it. People who have pled or been convicted. I don't get it. I don't get the logic. How about victims' rights? We don't hear about that anymore. How about victims' rights? And if we say we support law enforcement, then why are we letting criminals out of prison? It's because of criminal justice reform. Well, just because the Koch brothers believe in it doesn't mean I have to. And just because the White House has bought off on it doesn't mean I have to. And just because Republican senators and House members want to look compassionate and want to show that they're bipartisan, doesn't mean I have to go for this nonsense. I think the Reagan-era sentencing guidelines served us well, put a lot of criminals in prison, protected a lot of American citizens. We just spent so much time in Washington, D.C., worried about illegal immigrants, immigrants, prisoners. How about the American people? How about those of us who are here fair and square? How about those of us who live fair and square? Why don't they pay attention to more of that? Rather than these little policy areas where they think they can show the media and show their opponents that they're bipartisan in this, that, and the other. This is a priority of the lame duck Congress? Letting prisoners out of prison? You ask your senator this question. Can you assure me that every single person is going to be let out of prison? earlier than they otherwise would be, is not going to commit another crime, yes or no. Well, how am I supposed to know? I don't. Know. Well, you seem to know. You seem to know because you sound like a liberal to me. They do. I want you to listen. Yes, we're moving quickly. There's a ton to cover and I'm running out of time. I want you to listen to Cory Booker. This guy was mayor of Newark. He was considered sort of a moderate guy, but now he wants to be president. In order to be president, he needs to be nominated by the Democrat Party, and the Democrat Party is nuts. That is, the leadership is. I want you to listen to this man, and he reflects a big percentage of the population now because of a lack of assimilation, improper education that tears down our principles and tears down our history. Here's Cory Booker at the National Action Network. Now, this is Al Sharpton's group. So Al Sharpton, who has a horrific history of racism and anti-Semitism, certainly in his past. Al Sharpton the National Action Network. I thought Al Sharpton was a host at MSNBC. Is he still a host, Mr. Producer? But he's a weekend host, right? Well, how come the media don't attack him for getting involved in politics? How come they attack conservatives at Fox or elsewhere? You can't get involved in politics. We're a news operation. Well, isn't MSNBC a news operation? How come they're not attacking Sharpton? Oh, no, no, I forgot. They're leftists. Here's Cory Booker at the National Action Network, Al Sharpton's conference today. I want you to listen to this. This man wants to be your president. Cut one, go.
2: And I believe this, if, if, if this country hasn't broken your heart, you don't love her enough. No. If you don't love her enough,
1: because there is injustice... If this country hasn't broken your heart, you don't love her enough. I mean, the stuff that these leftists will say about this country, this magnificent country, the greatest country really ever established by mankind, the most beneficent, the freest, the wealthiest, for all people. If this country hasn't broken your heart, you don't love it enough. So it's a moral imperative to trash your country or you don't love it enough. Go ahead. Yes. Yes.
2: And this is an organization that formed not because everything's going right but because there is injustice in our midst. This is a group of folks like Americans I've met all over this country who are dissatisfied. We are dissatisfied because we live in a country right now where in many communities, kids can find unleaded gasoline easier than unleaded water.
3: We are dissatisfied
2: because we live in a nation that has a criminal justice system that treats you better if you're rich and guilty than poor and innocent. See, this,
1: this this is why we have a huge problem in this country. When you have a political party that just keeps tearing the country apart, balkanizes the nation, tribalizes the nation, doesn't talk up the magnificence of this society and this culture, but is constantly attacking it. Nobody said the country's perfect, but it's a great country, and it's the most perfect on the face of the earth. I know this because millions of people want to come here, and nobody wants to leave. But to hear somebody like this, an elected senator of the United States, and he's not alone. There's 20 or 30 of them lined up who have the same mindset and will say the same thing. We all know he's a liar. We all know this is not the America that that we live in. And it goes on and on and on. And this criminal justice reform, quote unquote, plays into this mentality. It plays into this mentality. Go ahead.
2: We are dissatisfied because we live in a nation right now that pays teachers so little that they have to get extra jobs just to make ends meet. We are dissatisfied in this country because on blocks like mine. Where a young man was murdered with an assault yes. weapon. Speak, brother. We are dissatisfied because we're not even doing the common sense things to make our communities safer that ninety percent of Americans agree we should do.
1: I have no idea what he's talking about, and neither does he. And neither does he. Just pushes hot buttons. I don't know how we're going to become a civil society or retain our civil society I don't know how when we have people like this on the hard left and he's not alone Bernie Sanders Elizabeth Warren Kamala Harris right down the list who talk like the most radical Marxist leftists overseas about America our enemies talk about America this way when you listen to Cory Booker he's a propagandist For the Red Chinese, he's a propagandist. For the fascist Putin regime, he's a propagandist. For the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran, the Iranian regime, they love what he's saying, and I'm sure they repeat it all over the place. It is disgusting. I'll be right back.
0: Mark Levin.
1: I could do a Jerry Lewis Radiothon tonight. There's so much to get to. But before I do, I want to tell you about our friends at Hillsdale College. You know, the good, the true, the beautiful. How can one begin to understand these high and noble ideals? You know, it starts with the right kind of education, and that's tough to find these days. But I know one college that provides a comprehensive education of the very best kind. An education in the philosophical the theological, the scientific, literary heritage of the West. Hillsdale College, every student, regardless of their major, spends half their time on the same liberal arts core curriculum, studying science and history, mathematics and philosophy, literature, theology, and the Constitution. At Hillsdale, all students learn about our great Western and American heritage. The result? Hillsdale alumni are leaders with intelligence and character making a difference in their families, communities, and country. But it all starts with a core curriculum that develops moral and intellectual virtue, the core that helps them understand the good, the true, and the beautiful. This is Hillsdale core curriculum. This is learning for the long run. Discover what education is meant to be. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. Seriously, check it out. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. And encourage your kids and grandkids to do it too. That's Levin for Wonderful announcement. This Saturday, this Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time at the Barnes and Noble at Tyson's Corner. This Saturday, I will be there. My wife Julie will be there. She will be reading uh, a special children's story time reading of Our Police. And uh, she and I will be there to sign the book and uh, sign some of my books, too. But the reason is for the reading and for all of us to see each other, and meet each other. That's this Saturday. It's a surprise because I wasn't going to be there. This Saturday at Barnes & Noble, Tyson's Corner, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, my wife, Julie, and I. And bring your little ones because it's story time with them. Another one and the only other one. That's it. Bookends, Ridgewood, New Jersey. Bookends, Ridgewood, New Jersey, WABC country. The other one was WMAL country and WCBM country. Ridgewood, New Jersey, November 11th. November 11th. You can join my wife, Julie. I will not be there. She will be there. That's even better. Again, a special, when is it? Is it the 20th? You're right. You know what? Let me get the date on that. I screwed it up. But I think it's next Wednesday. Is that the 20th? All right. Hold on to the next hour. I'll clean this up. It's the 20th, not the 11th. I apologize. We need to fix that on my social sites, Mr. Producer, on the headline there, too. Join my wife, Julie. Special children's story time at bookends, 4 p.m. Eastern, on the 20th. Wednesday, I believe it is, the 20th. All right? Oh, man, we'll get the day right. I'll be back.
0: He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark. Mark. Love them.
1: All right, I finally got it right. This is Mark Levin, our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Ready? Bear with me, then we're going to get into something I think that's fascinating. This Saturday, Barnes & Noble at Tyson's Corner, Virginia. 11 a.m. My wife, Julie, and I will be there signing Our police. There'll also be some copies of my other books that Barnes and Noble would like me to sign. This will be the only event and the only time that I'm signing Our Police. That's it. So you'll want to attend, I think. But the key here is it's a special children's story time reading that Julie's going to have with uh, kids four to eight years old. So if you're going to come, make sure you bring your little ones. And you may want to get these as gifts too, because as I say, this will be the only time I'm signing. Uh, our police will be some of my other books there too, and Julie will be signing our police too. Now, bookends, Ridgewood, New Jersey, one of the great independent bookstores. I love this bookstore. It's November twentieth, Tuesday, right, Mister Producer? Tuesday, November twentieth, which is next week. Julie will be there for a special children's story time reading as well of our police. And she will be signing the book. And so we hope you'll bring your little ones there. Again, four to eight years old in that ballpark. Or if you don't have children that age, but you're a grandparent or parent and you want to copy of the book and you want it signed by Julie, uh, and it'll be available then for Christmas and Hanukkah as a gift, and you're up there in WABC country, you won't want to miss it. So that's bookends at Ridgewood, New Jersey, November 20th on Tuesday, 4 p.m. Again, Barnes & Noble this Saturday, WMAL country, uh, our wonderful WMAL affiliate in uh, Tyson's Corner in Virginia. I will be there. That's 11 a.m. Uh, for our police. A reading to your little ones by Julie, my wife, as well as uh, the signing of the book. All right? I think I got it right now. Sorry for the screw-up. Sherrod Brown. Sherrod Brown. Sherrod Brown just got reelected to the Senate from Ohio. This guy is a complete putz. But it doesn't matter. He was at the National Action Network, too. All this Democrat politics at an event sponsored by a host of MSNBC. And you'll see no criticism of this at MSNBC. No criticism of this at NBC. No criticism of this at CNN. You won't see it written up in any newspaper. No. And MSNBC tries to portray itself as a news organization, which clearly it's not. I mean, it has Andrea Mitchell afterwards and Brian Williams. But let's listen to Sherrod. He goes by Sherrod. But, you know, Sherrod Brown at the National Action Network, the Al Sharpton organization. Hat tip. Washington Free Beacon. Cut for go. We also know that Donald Trump, with his phony populism, has tried to fool people into believing
2: that he's on their side by attacking work, by attacking fellow Americans, by calling people
1: names, by attacking immigrants. He purposely pits one group against another. Now this destroy- is hilarious. Did he not just hear Cory Booker? And by the way, yes uh, senator. That's your entire ideology. That's your entire mantra turning people against each other. That's what leftist Democrats do. They've always done that. Go ahead.
2: The White House looks like a retreat for Wall
0: Street and oil company executives.
2: The and White
1: House looks for like a retreat. I don't know. Tom Steyer. And who, who are the other ones? Michael Bloomberg. And uh, all the other ones out there. Buffett. All their Billionaires which uh, Sherrod Brown won't mention because they outspent virtually every Republican in every race in the country. And then they play this line that they're for the little people. They don't take money from special interests, you know. Go ahead. Continues to distract and divide. But that that phony populism, that's that's not populism. Populism, Populists are not racist. Populists are not anti-Semitic. All right, let's stop right there. Here you have a guy calling the president racist and anti-Semitic. This is just so over the top, and the media do the same thing. I want to read you a story from the Federalist website, one of the best sites, by David Harsani, and he is a terrific writer, senior editor at the Federalist. And he's the author of a new book. It's a great book, First Freedom, A Ride Through America's Enduring History with the Gun from the Revolution to Today. Ilhan Omar. Ilhan Omar. Do you know who she is? Ilhan Omar is one of the first of two Muslim women to be elected to Congress just now and uh, is a new kind of politician. She's telegenic, ideologically progressive, widely celebrated by a media that is obsessed with identity politics She's the kind of politician who can openly side with Hamas against Israel or spread protocols of Zion-style conspiracies on Twitter claiming that Jews possess the supernatural ability to hypnotize the world as they unfurl their evil. Progressive Democrat, she just got elected. The media said, she's one of two first female Muslims ever elected, and that's all you hear. She's a Democrat. He says, it's not surprising, then, that Omar also supports the boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement, BDS. In a statement to the website Muslim Girl, later confirmed elsewhere, someone on Omar's staff explains that, yes, Ilhan believes in and supports the BDS movement and has fought to make sure people's rights to support it isn't criminalized. She does, however, have reservations on the effectiveness of the movement in accompanying a lasting solution. So, though Omar contends that BDS will be ineffective in getting the sides to a lasting solution. She still believes in and supports a movement that smears the Jewish state as racist, a racist endeavor and aims to destroy it economically. It's a mystery, is it not, why some Jews might find that positioning offensive? Omar has supported BDS for a while, even though she will now occasionally slip in some platitudes about the peace process. As Scott Johnson at Powerline, who's been following the story from the beginning, points out, Omar misled Jewish voters in her district, obfuscating about her position, and, as she still does, conflating her support for BDS with a bill that would have stopped continued taxpayer funding of the movement. No one is attempting to criminalize anti-Israel speech, although it's heartening to see Omar as a free speech absolutist, he says sarcastically. We'll see if her position on the criminalization of speech will remain consistent moving forward and not reserved for supporters of Hamas. As far as I know, he writes, not even former Congressman Keith Ellison, who once accused the shifty Jews of running American foreign policy, openly supported the BDS movement. Not even J Street, the progressive front for hard-left activists, posing as Israel supporters, openly backed PDS. Nor does George Soros, although he has intermittently funded BDS groups in the past and has been active against the Jewish state, For decades. Of course, BDS proponents will tell you they are anti Zionist, not anti Semitic. But when you're fixated on the only liberal state in the Middle East and avoid criticism of any Islamic regimes that deny their own citizens the most basic of human rights, you at the very least betray a morally bankrupt position. Even as Hamas has rained hundreds of rockets down on civilians, a nihilistic project that always takes precedent over investing in their own people and in their own autonomous Palestinian territory, there is criticism from those who only see evil behind Jewish acts of self-defense. Now this is a newly elected congresswoman, ladies and gentlemen, Democrat. It's no mistake that Omar insists Israel is an part time regime, an ugly, simplistic, misleading, and irresponsible accusation. It's not only the propellant for anti-Semitism on campuses across our country. It's the foundational accusation of the PDS movement, which is attempting to recreate the campaign against racist South Africa apartheid in the 1980s. Israel's laws, of course, make absolutely no distinctions based on a person's race. Every person in Israel has the ability to participate in the democratic process and all of equal standing under the law. Muslims in Israel have more liberal rights than Muslims anywhere, anywhere in the Arab world. What we do have is a complex situation involving a one-time Jewish land that once again fell under Israeli rule after a bunch of neighboring countries tried to destroy it. Yet Democrats, who claim to hear anti semitic anti-Semitic dog whistles from every porch in Red America and I might add from Donald Trump rarely see a problem with this kind of rhetoric. The FBI says Jews were the victims of 60% of religiously motivated hate crimes in 2017 although they were just 2% of the population. Whatever inherent flaws exist in these self-reporting statistics the disparity is real. Despite the horrific shooting in Pittsburgh and Jew hatred On the far right, it's almost certain that the average American Jew is more likely to encounter an aggressively anti-Zionist BDS activist on campus or a progressive march than a white supremacist anywhere. Just ask Tamika Mallory or Linda Sarsour or Sophie Elman-Golan as they simultaneously infantilize and radicalize mainstream left-wing politics. Not a single Democratic Party leader Listen, not a single Democratic Party leader has condemned their ugly rhetoric or relationship with hate mongers or their insistence on singling out the one country that happens to be filled with Jews. Then again, not one Democrat has condemned Omar for comparing the Jewish state to a racist regime. Put it this way, TV actress turned activist Alyssa Milano has been more courageous than Senator Chuck Schumer about standing up against anti-Semitism Deborah Messing is braver than Brian Schatz Bernie Sanders, Dianne Feinstein and Richard Blumenthal fortunately not everyone is consumed by sheer political expediency where's fake Tapper where's Don Lemon where's Jim Acosta where's Rachel Maddow where's Chris Matthews where's Al Sharpton Cory Booker at the National Action Network, Al Sharpton's place. Kristen Gillibrand the National Action Network. Sherrod Brown at the National Action Network, accusing the president of being anti-Semitic. Not one of them called out Ilyan Omar as the anti-Semite bigot that she is. Not one of them. Not one of them used the occasion. Not one of them had the courage at the National Action Network, which is largely African American, to call out Farrakhan. Not one of them turned down an invitation to the National Action Network because of Al Sharpton. And that they call this president the best friend Israel's ever had. They call this president, who has a Jewish daughter and a Jewish son-in-law and three Jewish grandchildren, anti-Semitic. These are sick people who poison the body politic. That's what the Democrat Party leadership and the Democrat committee has become. Very, very sick and poisonous. I'll be right back.
0: Mark
1: you know, I'm hearing a lot of so-called capitalists, so-called free market advocates praising Amazon for locating in northern Virginia and New York City. They're going to create 50,000 jobs. And, of course, the effect, they point out, is all the housing and everything that goes with that. It's an enormous economic shot in the arm to these areas of the country. I have a few thoughts on this. Number one, Mr. Bezos is a big lib. He owns the Washington Compost, which is a big lib newspaper. Why would he pick Northern Virginia And New York. Why didn't he pick McAllen, Texas? I'm quite serious. Why didn't he pick areas right on the border? Since we're told there's not enough Americans in this country to fill jobs, since we're told the people coming into this country, particularly illegally, are so noble, why do they keep locating these companies in and around New York and in and around government? That, I suppose, is my first point. My second point is, this has nothing to do with capitalism. This is crony capitalism. It's a great piece by Jim Garrity at the corner in National Review. The state of Virginia is giving Amazon more than half a billion dollars, with the local government of Arlington, Virginia, kicking in another 23 million dollars. Amazon will receive performance-based direct incentives of $573 million based on the company creating 25,000 jobs with an average wage of over $150,000 in Arlington. This includes a workforce cash grant from the Commonwealth of Virginia of up to $550 million based on $22,000 for each job created over the next 12 years. And it goes on. The company will also receive a cash grant from Arlington of $23 million over 15 years based on the incremental growth of the existing local transient occupancy tax, a tax on hotels. In other words, Arlington is raising taxes in order to pay Amazon to locate there. This is not how government and taxation are supposed to work. This deal should be tattooed on the forehead of Governor Ralph Northam, Democrat. Never let a Virginia Democrat ever claim that Republicans are in the pocket of big business and special interests again like this idiot, Sharad Brown. At least the most powerful media institution in the region, the Washington Post, will stand up to this giant corporation giveaway. Oh, wait a minute. Jeff Bezos of Amazon, he owns that too. Now, some people will benefit from this. They'll see the value of their homes increase substantially. Now, if you're planning on selling your home, that might help. But if you're planning on staying in your home, your property taxes are going to go through the roof. They're going to go through the roof. You're going to need infrastructure. You're going to need all these. Well, Mark, the people they hire will pay their taxes. I do not like this kind of government subsidy, government crony capitalism for the wealthiest company in the world, for the wealthiest man in the world. I reject it. And any serious capitalist, free market capitalists should reject it. But let me tell you what's going to happen around here. All the developers are going to be excited, many of whom are Republicans. Oh, they're going to build more housing. They're going to get more infrastructure. You watch. You, the national taxpayer. Next is the infrastructure bill after criminal justice reform. Yes, we can at least agree on more spending as we all agree on a bipartisan level, and we can agree on a bipartisan level to let more criminals out of prison. How come they never agree with us on our principles? They won't even secure the damn border, the Democrats. It's only bipartisan one way. There is no way Amazon should receive this kind of subsidy. None whatsoever. And I don't even know what the hell they gave away in New York. It's a multi-billion dollar company. It's worth $90 billion. Why the hell are the taxpayers subsidizing anything? I'll be right back.
0: The Vin Show. This is the home of the July 4th Americans. And you can call at 877-381-3811. Do you
1: ever notice the state of the liberal media? Well, of course you do. You wonder how it got where it is today? It doesn't matter. The fact is the fact. We used to have journalists who searched for the truth, who brought you the stories that mattered, who really did report on evidence, objective truth, Now they're activists, left-wing activists and propagandists for the most part. Most people recognize when President Trump does something well, and he should be acknowledged for that. And they'll point out when they disagree with him. But that's not the way the modern media work. No, every story is a negative. Every story is an attack. Not true on Levin TV. On Levin TV, we're not here to carry water for anybody. Good or bad, we're bringing you a principled perspective on the news, on history, on economics, on philosophy. This is why we've gotten amazing feedback from you, our subscribers, who say that CRTV is unlike anything they ever got before. This is cutting edge. You certainly won't see anything like this on liberal outlets on cable. But we need your help, folks. If CRTV, the conservative review TV network, is going to continue to grow at the pace we've seen over the last past year, we need you. And now's the perfect time Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, Christmas. It's a great gift. It's a great gift. And you can give the gift to yourself, you can give the gift to your parents, to your spouse, to your children and your grandchildren, and you won't regret it. It's priced right. We have over 20 programs. And of course, Levin TV. And here's the deal you can try us out for free for 30 days. Free for 30 days. So there's no risk. And if you like us, and if you like Levin TV and the other programs, then you lock it in. Just go to levintv.com, L E V I N TV.com, or give us a call at 844 Levin TV. I dare you to try. You've been thinking about it, you've got a great opportunity a 30-day free trial, to give it as a gift. What a wonderful gift for the entire year. For the entire year. And it's something that your loved one will love and maybe not expect. You've heard Mark talk about CRTV, Dad. You've heard Mark talk about CRTV, son, daughter, grandma. Well, guess what? I just got you an annual subscription. Check it out for 30 days and see if you like it. I strongly encourage you to try now. Call 844-LEVIN-TV, 844 V I N T V, tv or go to levintv.com, L-E-V-I-N-TV.com. For those of you who've heard me talk about it, been thinking about it, you're getting sick and tired of cable TV, sick and tired of the network, sick and tired of Jim Acosta, and all the media gaggling around them, try us. People say, what can we do about it? We're doing it. And I'll tell you something. I'm not allowed to give you numbers and I don't want to get in trouble. Our subscriber base is huge. I shouldn't go any further. But it beats some programming on MSNBC and CNN in terms of size. That is a big deal. Because there are millions of patriotic Americans in all walks of life, in all backgrounds, who are sick and tired of the media. And they say, you know what? Let me try this out. It's cutting-edge technology. It's easy to set up. We'll have you set up in five minutes. Some people, it's less. Me, it takes five minutes. You have a smart TV. You have a handheld cell phone, a handheld device. You have a PC. You have a laptop. You have an iPad. You have, I don't know. We've got so many platforms. And we'll just walk you through it and make you very comfortable and get you set. And you really are going to love it. We've got Eric Bowling, We've got Phil Robertson. We've got Andrew Wilco. We've got my buddy. Uh, well, i got a lot of buddies, actually. And you're going to want to try it out. Go to CRTV.com. Better yet, just just go to LevinTV.com. LevinTV.com. Or give us a call at 844-LEVIN-TV. 844-LEVIN-TV. We'll tell you everything. We hatched this this project in my living room three years ago, more than three years ago now. And it's been wildly successful. It can't be wildly successful if it's lousy because people have to step in and actually sign up. There are knockoffs out there trying very, very hard. But you're going to see unique talent, unique personalities. That's what we've done. Steve Crowder, he's terrific. You want to see him? Check us out. Steve Dace. So many others. I shouldn't start naming them because then I forget. Michelle Malkin. So this is where we don't make any apologies about this. We don't make any apologies about this. We defend it. We support it. We don't pretend that we're this and that. We are a conservative network. Doesn't mean we always agree on everything. We have different personalities, different content, different types of entertainment, different formats, and that's what makes it so exciting and extraordinarily different. There's nothing like it out there. Sorry, Fox Nation. You're just not. So check us out. Go to LevinTV.com or give us a call at 844-LEVIN-TV, 844-L-E-V-I-N-TV, E V I N right? What happened to the polar bears? Remember that? The polar bears. We haven't heard about the polar bears lately, have we? Global warming, climate change, everything's melting. Well, excuse me, I'm sneezing. We had to go all the way to the DailyMail.com in the United Kingdom. We checked CNN, nothing. We checked MSNBC, nothing. Polar bears... Their numbers are so high they threaten native Inuit populations, claims controversial Canadian government report bitterly contested by environmentalists who had made creature the icon, that, that is the polar bear, the icon of global warming. See, it's the left that rejects science and knowledge. They are the deniers. Polar bears are one of the enduring symbols of the environmental cause. However, A controversial report, it's not controversial, it's just that they deny it, has claimed that their populations are increasing. The report found the growing bear population poses a threat to the native population. However, scientists say that climate change has pushed bears closer to humans. Oh, sure. Warming has caused ice to melt, forcing the creatures to hunt further afield. They dispute government claims that polar bear populations are growing. Ladies and gentlemen, Polar bear populations are growing. The ocean is not getting warmer. There's weather change. There's climate change. But it has damn little to do with you and me. The idea that we can control the climate by driving less or by cows Releasing less methane is so stupid and preposterous. And yet the left pushes this agenda because they don't have any intention of changing the climate. They want to change society. If they can control the climate, I don't mean control it, but regulate it, quote-unquote, then they can regulate you. Remember the rain tax in Maryland? Well, that's what they do. If they get to control... Through regulation, climate, which they really can't control, but they can control you through regulation, that's what they'll do. Even more, as we've talked about at length, it's an attack on capitalism. It's an attack on the market system. It's an attack on economic growth. It's just another scam. I heard the Interior Secretary say... Uh, we shouldn't debate this anymore. I heard the NASA administrator, Bridenstine, used to be a conservative from Oklahoma, but there he goes out the window. This is not a debatable issue anymore. Once they get into these bureaucracies, they're captured by the bureaucracies. And by the way, it's just the course of least resistance. If you accept so-called man-made climate change, then you don't take as much crap on Capitol Hill and you get nice articles written about you. It's hard to stand up for the truth. You get pummeled all the time. But then again, you have to live with yourself, don't you? That's why you stand up for the truth. Let's take a couple calls. Mona, Lexington, Kentucky, the great WVLK country. Go. Hi there. I am 69, retired widow, grandmother, great-grandmother. I grew up watching Chet Huntley and David Brinkley. They reported the news. they didn't try to tell me what I was supposed to think. They let
3: me use my own brain and I heard years ago that the two of them totally disagreed on politics, but you never saw that when they were reporting the news.
1: Huntley was a liberal and uh, and uh, Brinkley was more conservative and and By the way, what do you think David Brinkley would be thinking now if he watched CNN and MSNBC oh. He would be so embarrassed by them he would he would say they are not journalists, they are
3: just fear stalkers and and uh, all they're doing is
1: going for the ratings they're not doing the job that meet that news people are supposed to be doing and they're not really that bright. they come out of politics, most of them or they come out of some ideological outfit and thank you, Mona. Good call. I appreciate it. Let us go to uh, let's see. Lou, our buddy in Milford, Connecticut, Sirius Satellite. Go. Hi, Mark. Uh,
3: condolences uh, to Pop. Thank you. Uh, I'm very proud of my brother. He's a multi Emmy Award winning uh, uh, sports television producer director. He segued into marketing. He lives in Indianapolis. and I went there initially because of the Speedway.
1: Uh, he knows the VP. I'm having a little but... trouble hearing you. Are you is it all right, Rich or is it me or what? Directly into the phone. How about now? Yes, put him louder. Go ahead, Lou. Okay, so my, my brother
3: uh, is directly responsible for the package, the proposal to uh, Amazon for Indianapolis. Really? Yes. He worked very closely. He knows the VP. He worked very closely with Mitch Daniels, right. uh, Pence's predecessor. Right. Uh, they, this thing goes back to the beginning of the year, Mark. And they expected a decision around July, and then it kept getting postponed. There were over 200 cities that vied for this. Uh, My brother was in the top 10. Uh, Two of the Bezos lieutenants came, and they, they made the pitch and whatnot. They felt pretty good about it, but as the thing progressed toward the election, my brother realized that was the key, that they weren't going to give it to a state Uh, With politics such as it is, they ignore the obvious uh, uh, cost of living difference between, you know, New York or Connecticut, for that matter, or Washington. It's half of what it is here out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the infrastructure, the proximity to the airport, the whole nine yards. It was a very strong application.
1: All right, but I I, People are going to think you're a special pleader for your brother. You have a more overarching point, right? Because we're running out of time.
3: The, 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 the overarching point is the fact that the infrastructure and the locale uh, was conducive to families living there, the cost of living.
1: Lou, i got to go soon. You told the call screener that what happened was Amazon kept holding out, holding out, holding out, and these, these other localities kept giving them better and better and better taxpayer subsidies.
3: Correct. And he, didn't, he did not want to impact the uh, election. That's the, that's the bottom line. That's the main takeaway. That's, that's why, why he waited. Exactly.
1: And notice he picks New York and Washington, where the power is on the East Coast. I keep saying, why don't these companies relocate in McAllen, Texas? Or Yuma, Arizona, where they have very, very healthy populations of illegal aliens. Why don't they do that? I'll be right back. going to the mechanic is like going to the doctor they tell you what's wrong you take their word for it of course that's what makes those surprise repair bills hit so hard when a simple oil change can turn into refinancing your mortgage pay for problems you never knew even existed. That's why I have extended vehicle protection from CarShield, so don't have to worry about those unexpected surprises. Replacing your engine alone can cost thousands. Even a simple repair to a sensor can cost over a thousand bucks. CarShield makes the process of fixing your car for a covered repair super easy. You can have your favorite mechanic or dealership do the work. It's your choice, and they get paid directly. They also provide you 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed for free. Save yourself thousands in future car repairs. Get covered by the ultimate extended vehicle protection like I did. Call 800-CAR-6100. 800-CAR-6100. Mention code LEVIN. Or visit carshield.com. That's carshield.com. Use code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N. Either way, you save 10%. That's carshield.com. Code LEVIN. Or call 800-CAR-6100, mention code LEVIN, and save 10%. A deductible may apply. I won't be here tomorrow, and it's because of you folks out there. Because of you folks. I'm blessed by you folks. You voted to send me to the Radio Hall of Fame. And tomorrow I'm going to be inducted into the Radio Hall of Fame by Rush Limbaugh. And also in attendance will be my buddy... Sean Hannity. So I want to thank you. So I won't be here tomorrow. Dan Bongino will be here. Now I hope I get there. Because we're supposed to get some ice and snow. Now for those of you who really get a lot of ice and snow. On the east coast when we get ice and snow. Maybe a half inch or an inch. The world stops. The government shuts down. And that's that. So I'm hoping I'll get to where I need to be. But. I wouldn't be in this at all but for you. I wouldn't be on the radio. I wouldn't be on Fox. I wouldn't be on Levin TV, on CRTV. I wouldn't be an author. I certainly wouldn't be in the Radio Hall of Fame but for you, my loyal, beloved Levinites. And I cannot thank you enough. And so that is why I will not be here tomorrow. But I'll be back Friday. Let's see. Let us go to Allen, St. Louis, Missouri, on XM Satellite. Go. Yes, Mark. I wanted to find out if there is anybody that has the ability, the authority,
3: to basically shut down the stupid stuff that they're trying to do in Florida
1: and in Arizona with stealing the elections. I mean, the night of election, the Republicans were in the lead, and now it's like, you know, Arizona's been lost. And Florida's is in jeopardy of being lost, too. Well, here, here's the problem. Arizona's been controlled by Republicans for decades. Florida's been controlled by Republicans for decades. What are they doing, sitting on their hands? Why don't they change the election rules? Why don't they change it so these sorts of things can't happen? Look at us on the federal level. Republicans were in control of the House and the Senate and the presidency, and in the House— they would not present the Senate with a bill that would actually fund the wall for the southern border. They won't get control of, of immigration when they're in control. You got this guy, Kevin McCarthy. Unfortunately, he was now elected the minority leader over uh, Jim Jordan. Unfortunately, guys, dumb as a, uh, as a doorknob. He's out there running ads about how he's introducing legislation to secure the border, knowing damn well Nancy Pelosi isn't going to let that hit the floor. He was, the, he was the majority leader under the Speaker of the House, a Republican, for all these years. I mean, this is a joke. And this is how the American people get misled. But it has real consequences, doesn't it? There's no way this should be going on in Florida. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. And all of you, once again, I want to thank you. I'll be back on Friday And be very, very well. God bless you. Take care.